0: Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome to another Wednesday edition of the New Mexico Rising Podcast. Remember to like, share, subscribe, all those things. We appreciate it. Tonight's gonna to be a little different. Dad, hop in here for a minute. Let's 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 go. Good of... evening, Hun Winsman. How are we doing, sir? Oh, you know, another day in paradise. I mean, it's been a busy day. Yeah, it has been.
1: Yeah. So, um, our, 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 guest for this evening, uh, will be coming on here shortly brought some stuff to our attention. Um, you know, because we are dealing with a little bit of a row here when it comes to not only our public institutions instituting vaccine mandates, but also from the education side of the house, school boards or school districts implementing these mass mandates on these kids. And also I suspect there's some soft, um, I don't know, coercion about getting vaccinated, particularly now that we're here, that there's a fast track for at least the Pfizer vaccine here toward the middle of September for full FDA approval. This is kind of opening up a, a bunch of cans of worms because we have seen now that the PED, or our public education department, seems to wield some, I don't know, enormous amount of power. Yeah. For the subsidiary so subsidiarity. Sorry, my public school education is failing me.
0: Okay.
1: Um, when it comes to the well, or uh, be- our, our, the composition of our school boards, particularly if school boards decide to like, nah, we're not going to do this mass mandate. Yeah. Um, case in point, the what, what is this place again? I I, I as someone who is not Floyd, Mexican Floyd. enough, Floyd, New Mexico.
0: It's in uh, Roosevelt County. <laughs>
1: yeah. Okay. Oh, that that county would explain a lot. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they were just summarily suspended. or what's the word? Same thing happened down here, right? Down yeah, here I mean, there was Lewis. there was a lot
0: of threats uh, going forward. Obviously, the school board board wasn't playing along. yeah, with what the governor in the state said. But, you know, let's just let's just slam right into this. Let's get our guest on here and not have her sitting back there waiting for the whole show. Lisa. <laughs> thanks for joining us.
2: Nice. How are you?
0: Oh, it's it's another day in paradise. Um, so, what is your, what is your take on this? I mean, this 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 situation in Floyd kind of jumped out of nowhere today. It was my understanding that there was supposed to be sort of a delay, and then and then the the education department just said, "Nope, nope, we're doing it now." And they got rid of everybody. What's what's your immediate take on that?
2: Well, I think it's um, a tremendous overreach on the part of government. Uh, you know. I, these are Julia. Let's for the record. Let's let's kind of set this up. So, essentially, um, I, I believe it was this week, and I'm just going to adjust my camera here. Okay, uh, I believe it was this week or late last week. Uh, the governor's uh, public education department set the ground rules for the upcoming school year uh, in New Mexico and declare that uh, unlike 43 other states that do not have a mask mandate for school-aged children, that New Mexico would be implementing uh, a mask mandate uh, for school-aged children, uh, again, despite the science and despite the uh, near, um, the, probably the, they're the lowest risk factor for mo- morbidity uh, and catching COVID. So uh, I think that took place late last week. So uh, we heard from the Floyd School District uh, that decided, and it's a, an elected school board that decided to uh, reject this unscientific mask mandate, um, listen to parents and empower parents and give parents the right to decide whether or not their children uh, should be masked. Uh, and the governor came down very heavy, hand, very heavy, heavy handedly uh, to that school board and instructed and threaten them, which made national headlines uh, earlier this week with removal and other disciplinary action for not uh, enforcing this mask mandate. And just today we heard that the New Mexico Public Education Secretary, who, by the way, it's a revolving door uh, in this administration. I think this is the uh, he's an outgoing secretary. He leaves August 20th and and mired in in several uh, alarming issues. Uh, in of themselves. He wasn't even working here in New Mexico for during many of the lo- much of the lockdown. He was working in Pennsylvania uh, and is still leaving our school district. Uh, in the school districts across the state of New Mexico are the lowest performing uh, in the country. So he is leaving in disgrace, uh, but made the decision today to suspend all five of the duly elected uh, school board members of the Floyd School District. And I think it's outrageous. I think people are upset uh, and it's a massive overreach on the part of our state government.
0: Well, I thought it was interesting that the board had actually placed um, where's his name here. Terry was his name. They placed him on leave and there was some debate about whether or not it was because he was in disagreement or not, but now he's in control of the entire board. I mean, I'm looking at this right now and you know, So they suspended the board, according to the the release, on a technicality. Yeah.
2: Well, yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not getting, I'm not sure like what authority they have to even do that. Um, Again, these are duly elected officials. So how exactly, by virtue of what statute or what uh, authority are they able to remove elected officials?
0: Well, that's the situation we're in right now, either way. And it'll be interesting to see how they push back on that. I mean, when we talk about these masks and everything with kids, I know I was speaking uh, to a friend of mine who's involved in some of the schools up here. And I know they had decided to go ahead and, and follow along with the mandates here in the Farmington area and, and elsewhere. There's, they seem to be just, you know, right along with it. And her encouragement was to have the kids go outside. But, I mean, this whole thing is just stupid.
2: Well, again, I don't think there's a lot of scientific basis for the governor's decisions on a lot of these mandates. We knew last year uh, that, uh, for example, lockdowns uh, were not working. They're doing more damage than they're doing more harm than good Uh, with the school closures end up doing more harm than good. There's a handful of children that actually died with or from covid in New Mexico, whereas the suicide rates because of the lockdowns and we have a statistically higher suicide rate on average as it is but that was compounded um, by children not being allowed to to attend school in person and so these are some of the things that, that we're not being able to talk about. We're not even allowed to talk about that aren't being brought to the table, uh, and 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 yet we're still enforcing bad public policy that is impacting the lives and livelihood of New Mexicans across across the state. Uh, and I think that uh, people are starting to see the the flaws in these decisions, uh, and they're starting to rise up. In fact, I, I uh, there's another group that um, I, I'm supporting. It's called uh, New Mexico Stand Up New Mexico. Uh, they attended the Albuquerque school board meeting today and um, earlier this evening, and they were effective, they effectively uh, got the school board meeting shut down because so many people were upset about the enforcement of these these policies like the mask mandate.
1: So, yeah, I, yeah, I guess the question is, yeah, I mean, you've kind of answered the question I was about to ask, like, what are people going to do about this, particularly in Floyd? I mean, what are these people, what, are, what recourse do they have? When, from an extra-constitutional standpoint, they were—they basically had their elected officials removed, and had basically uh, stooges installed. I mean, you know, what recourse is there? Have you heard of any litigation? Have you heard of them going to court? Um, uh, obviously they can't sue, uh, the soon to be former. Um, well, I mean, he's, he steps, th- he steps down. You said on the 20th of August.
2: Right. But I think ultimately the liability yeah. is with the state since he's acting as an agent of the state of New Mexico. Right. Uh, so we, you know, New Mexico stands up. I know that there are, there are uh, attorneys that are very busy, um, with some active litigation in a lot of these areas, uh, with the unscientific mandates, with, uh, mask mandates, uh, and, and and other issues related to that. So I'm sure that there is going to be a lawsuit uh, forthcoming uh, because no one seems to be answering that question. I and mean, you guys are the only um, media outlet thus far that I've seen that's even asking the question. I mean, where's our media? Where is uh, the corporate media um, asking these important questions when they're reporting the news? I mean, it was reported as if this is the fact that, that well. um, the secretary was able to suspend duly elected officials so it's a important when it question. comes
0: to the corporate media they're probably getting paid a lot better than we are so, yeah they no, no you know, yeah, more definitely be it for me to say that i wouldn't lose all of my uh or, or principles <laughs> at the sound of a paycheck which kind of dovetails into another issue here which are these mandates i mean we're seeing it on a state level now obviously there's private corporations that are moving forward and mandating it um which is absurd because the more this thing moves along, the vaccine just doesn't work. And and we have an entire pile of statistics here we can go through. We have the time tonight um, where we can prove that. These vaccines are a joke, but they're moving forward to mandate that. I know that you had some some different links. And I know Baca's got them floating around back there somewhere where he can get them put up so that people can start to learn how to fight back against this legally.
2: Right. Um, I think it's important that people understand their rights um, as we move forward. We saw uh, just yesterday, my hair, I'm not having a good hair day.
0: Um, <laughs> we, we have no hair day. Yeah, no, don't worry about it, man. No, <laughs> <laughs> so,
2: um, just yesterday, gov- uh, uh, Governor Cuomo, as well as uh, Mayor de Blasio in New York City, called for the uh, vaccine passport to be implemented in New York City, and that's already happening in Europe. So they have what's called the green pass in Europe, and a um, digital passport, you know, on your phone that is um, monitoring your coming and going and whether or not you're vaccinated. The problem with that, as you mentioned, um, is it's Chad, right? Chad and
0: Sean and, Sean and Thad.
2: <laughs> he, um, he can
0: be a Chad sometimes. <laughs> I can, I, yeah, yeah, sometimes. <laughs> um,
2: so, um, as Sean mentioned, um, you know, the vaccines. So. You know, people that are vaccinated are also, and the CDC admitted this earlier this week, that people that are vaccinated can also uh, transmit and, and contract COVID. So why do we need vaccine passports if that's the case?
0: Well, it's it's interesting you bring that up. Uh, obviously, Dr. Sharon Alroy-Prez, Israel's Director of Public Health Services, said that evidence pointed to the waning immunity in the COVID-19 vaccine. Um, which she said that it's 50% more infectious than the previous variant. Obviously, they're talking about Delta. But she moved to Gibraltar, which is another place that is almost 99% vaccinated. And they're seeing their case rate rise by 2,500% per day. Then you move to Iceland. And this is another highly vaccinated country. And they're rising at the same rate. Singapore, they're seeing the same thing. Meanwhile in Sweden where the vaccination rates at 39% and the government's not enforcing face masks or social distancing or any of that they've been at zero covid deaths for months yeah yeah, it, to- yeah.
1: it's kind tired. of fast it's it's fascinating in a way but also disturbing in a way to see well first things first the trial balloon was to in the largest metropolitan area we have in the United States to try or to at least attempt to implement this When if you look at the vaccination rates in the city of New York, state of New York, but even the city of New York, um, which has a substantially well-sized minority population, the vaccination rates among those communities are extremely low. If you were to implement this fully, there are some negative historical, um, I don't know, uh, analogies there that you could have about, you know, separate but unequal. Um, I find and and I also find it that, you know, the more rural areas up here in New Mexico have very low vaccination rates for lots of obvious reasons. It ain't just because they're a bunch of crazy anti-vaxxers. A lot of them don't live around people or I don't know. We tend to ignore natural immunity. Um, It's actually very silent from um, public pronunciations of the CDC. Um, You know, I I, I don't know. I I know you've been a kind of a, a, a. big advocate. And of course you are from um, uh, the reservation or a native American part of the state and stuff like that. I mean, what's the, what's the feeling coming from the res about, you know, these, these mandates and, and, and how, if the uptick in these kind of uh, what we, what we call disenfranchised communities is low, that if you implement something like that, you are literally implementing, I'll say it, Jim Crow.
2: Well, it's interesting that you uh, bring that up Uh, Thaddeus, because the mayor of Boston, who is uh, an African-American woman, just said today that vaccine passports are are likened to slave papers. And it's interesting because there is a correlation there because I believe only 28% of the Black community is vaccinated. uh, And you're seeing uh, similarly lower numbers with Hispanics. Now, Native Americans have seen um, higher uh, COVID infection rates and mortality rates, but here's another thing that's not being discussed is the fact that um, high blood sugar levels and diabetes, uh, I believe 50% of the COVID deaths are from people that have diabetes.
1: So yeah, the comorbidities you were talking about earlier uh, or, or morbidities yes. in general. Yeah, that that's, that's, that's ignored as well as, well, what's the case? We're getting back into this thing where now we're doing dueling case counts, right? I'm more concerned with hospitalizations and also of those hospitalizations don't we have the therapeutics now to treat people we're not like cutting people's throats open immediately once they lose you know 0.1 percent o2 um so it's it's to me it's not like it's not an emergency it's just it's not where we were last year
2: Again, and, and and if, you know, I want to encourage people to, you know, stay informed. Uh, I'm very vocal on these issues uh, on my social media platforms, on Twitter. Today, I, I um, and again, let's, we, we, we don't want to speak, uh, you know, we're not conspiracy theorists. Let's use the data, let's use the science. The CDC's most recent data of the uh, COVID-related deaths uh, indicate that this, this is not, um, you know, As the media, many on the left and the government are acting that that contracting COVID is a death sentence. And it's not unless you're in a high risk group or, um, you know, over the age of 65 and even then over the age of 85 is where you see a more exponential uh, risk uh, and morbidity rate. And so those are the vulnerable populations that we should be protecting. And they should uh, look at getting the vaccine and they should look at other preventative measures. And let's talk about those preventative measures. We're not even talking about the fact that there's also a very low rate of uh, vitamin D levels in people that are contracting COVID. Uh, And why is the government and why is our governor not not um, offering other solutions where people can protect themselves? The only solution that they're offering are are lockdowns and mandates and uh, vaccines. And Uh, and to be honest, I'm to the point
0: where I would really encourage people to just have a covid party. I mean, (laughs) you're you're probably not going to die from it. Take some vitamin C, take some vitamin D, get some sunshine and you'll probably be okay. I don't know if we're starting to escape that. I know that I was looking today at a paper, you know, that was written by Gerd van der Bosch, a guy who's been right continuously about this thing. And it kind of scares me a little bit when I read what he has to say. Um, But but we have treated this thing completely wrong, completely wrong. We were sold a bill of goods about what the mor- mortality rate would be. We were lied to about that. And they just keep the lie of it. It's like it's a lie that's too big to fail. And I honestly don't know what to think of the governor at this point. It's almost I, like they, I, believe I, in the sunk,
1: yeah, they believe in the sunk cost. They, they, there's a sunk cost fallacy that they just have to now – they have to go all in. And and to your point, Elisa, I, I mean the people who are over the age of 65, the people who are in that uh, 1% range of mortality have – at great numbers, taken at least one dose of the vaccination of of the three that are available. So, on the vulnerable populations, the people who know they were vulnerable, learned that they're in this pandemic, that they are quite vulnerable, are actually the people who have taken this, right? The people who we needed to protect most, most certainly. Um, I guess, what is your thought as to why that that you know that this is being pushed? further and further down the age uh, and demographic strata. Like, why? What do you think is the end goal? You don't have to go conspiracy, but what do you
2: think (laughs) is the end goal? (laughs) Uh, You know, I'm not sure. Uh, It it appears that they are are set on on compliance and, uh, for lack of a better word, uh, marketing this as a death sentence for all age groups, and it's really not. And so, I, I, you know, there's all kinds of speculation out there. You know, obviously, government is is assuming control, and they want to continue this narrative. Some people believe, uh, in an attempt to force mail-in ballots uh, again upon this upcoming election in 22 elections. Uh, but you know, one of the challenges that we're facing, I think, overall, uh, as we you know have. Uh, the Democrats and the radical left uh, in Washington have total control of our government and total control of our government in, uh, in the New Mexico state, New Mexico uh, government uh, is is they're assuming more power and control unto themselves. And they're using this covid uh, uh, as a premise to do that. And so um, that's where it's important that people you know, they start working together, they band together, they start speaking up now, because it's very difficult once government assumes this type of power and control over our lives to wrangle it out of their hands. And I've been very outspoken, you know, growing up in Gallup near the reservation, witnessing the devastating impact of these big government policies that dominate the reservation's economy. uh, And also, you know, I have a degree and background in economic policy. uh, And so, you know, having knowledge of how those types of systems work uh they don't work right so the more power that you give government uh over your life the more difficult it becomes to to take away that power uh and and you know uh, absolute power corrupt so i think they've gotten a taste of it and they want more
0: yeah it's like i you know that's fine we can sit and talk about conspiracy theory and everything else but i'm sorry at this point, a lot of these things are conspiracy fact. And what we're seeing right now is a consolidation of power on the part of the Democratic Party, whether we want to think that they're working for more nefarious masters than what appears, well, you don't have to go that far into the rabbit hole to figure something's wrong. You know, But I do want to take it back when we talk about these vaccines and what they are doing right now. This is the first time in the history of the world that we've ever conducted a mass vaccination campaign against a novel coronavirus now that has serious implications when you start to look at at what that means it's a highly mutable virus and when you use an mRNA vaccine that barely barely produces antibodies that attack the spike protein on the outside of the coronavirus but really do nothing to give real immunity It's a a setup for a disaster is what it is. Because I I need people to understand that what we're seeing in live time, we we like to talk about um, gain of function and and whether or not Fauci did or didn't or whatever, it really doesn't matter. Because in real time, right now, with the vaccine interacting with a highly mutable coronavirus, we are watching gain of function testing. You're seeing it in real time?
1: Yeah. um, It's funny that... I remember in the early days of kind of people who were talking about developing this MRNA technique um, for going after this one area of the of the virus. And I remember there was one or two people who said, you know, who were asking the downside of this and are just like, well, the spike protein as a as a target. My, it, it's we we're going after something that's highly mutable. Right. Like it'll mutate. But you know, we think we, could, because of this new technique, because that's all mRNA really is, it's just a new technique at inoculation. We could change it. We could reprogram it, we, we, we think for masses of humans. Now. And so, yeah, it mutated as it is apt to do. Um, and no one paid attention to the other conserves of the virus, i.e. the more immutable parts of the virus. Um, because this was easier to do. And one does not have to be a conspiracy theorist to be like, that that's very. It, it's very cynical of me to think that maybe they were just too lazy and that we had scared the world so much. We had locked down the world so much and there was so much pressure just to get this done so we could get back to normal. But here's what's happening. We're not going back to normal. So I think we, from a scientific standpoint, we took the easy way out. When there were monoclonal antibody uh, 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 things in the pipeline that we've seemed to just kind of stop focusing on that we never really got beyond, um, I'm gonna botch the name Rivetrier <laughs> uh, I screwing up. We, we we tend to just stick with that and some other therapeutics that are less than effective, but like we kind of just we're not reconstituting other drugs. I'm, I'm, I'm on the hydroxychloroquine and the ivermectin train, um, for treatment. Um, uh, it, it seems, I mean, right. I mean, yeah. Wh- why not encourage those from right. a state level, right? If we have this new Delta variant, we, it, you know, we had, we, we've had, you know, people on that have had people who work in the ER and stuff like that. Who re- this, this is just a clotting, this virus causes clotting. So we have things to deal with that. Um, You know, why aren't we doing more of this? And why are we preventing doctors from off-label use of maybe other methods? It's really, really, it really, really kind of frightens me, right? And it makes myself as an African-American even less, um, I'm already, I have two strikes against me. I'm African-American and I'm a man, so I don't like going to the doctor. (laughs) So it's kind of one of those things where just- (laughs) (laughs) So I always kind of turn my head sideways and stuff like, I don't know, do I really need to go and stuff? I'm
0: fine with going to the doctor. I've just gone a lot less ever since, uh, you know, I lost my health insurance and I was still waiting for the Obamacare to kick in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, that's kind of that's one of those things, right?
1: Obamacare was supposed to take care of us all, right? Um, It's kind of what we've noticed here in in the state, right? There's just a lot of people. That it really, really depended on the government. A lot of people who work for the government were tangential to the government. And so now the mm-hmm. government's mandating that you got to take this shot. And now there's some apprehension.
2: Yes. Well, and I think that's the next step. So we saw today where uh, now the military, the U.S. military, uh, I believe they are enforcing now a vaccine mandate for our military personnel. And for people like uh, Thaddeus, like myself, um, and, and I'm not sure where you stand, Sean, but uh, people that are concerned, you know, I don't like to take aspirin. I don't like to take any foreign substance into my body. Uh, and this is not unlike, this is not like a polio vaccine or other vaccines that have taken uh, sometimes a decade or more to develop. We don't know what the side effects, the long-term effects and side I disagree. effects I
0: disagree. I think we know exactly what the side effects are. I've read the Long study. Term, the we university. don't know what the
2: long-term effects will be. Oh.
0: Well, I wouldn't. We're, we're
2: in the middle of the experiment. I
0: wouldn't, ex- I wouldn't expect long term to go very well. They already researched this under the direction of Dr. Fauci at the University of Texas in 2010. It killed all of the animals involved in the study within three months. Wow. So yeah, we so.
1: So we, we deserve to I, know that.
2: That's the first I've heard of that. So.
1: Yeah, isn't that is, and that's kind of the that's the part about this that is disturbing. People uh, who are on, in my opinion, the right side of this, the choice side of this, right? I don't like being on this side of this. I don't like being on this side of this because I'm a, you know me, man, I'm a geek, bro. I love like science. I love the science, right? But like, you can't, even if the future of inoculation still, and we work out the kinks for mRNA for other types of therapeutics, that's essentially what this vaccine is now, it's just a therapeutic. truth be told, we need to know all the warts. We need to know the good, the bad, the ugly warts and all so that not only we can, I don't know, not take this if there are long-term health effects, but fix it. Because I'm a guy, I'm a systems guy. It's like, well, all right, well, that's bad. We need to reiterate and figure out why it's bad. Fix
2: it. Right. And also, I mean, I think the tradition in in medicine and the tradition uh, uh that is acknowledged by the nuremberg code is this concept of informed consent so my understanding um, is that you're not getting a full informed consent because we don't know the long-term implications but also the liability that is being waived uh in order to sue oh yeah for, they're
1: indemnified yeah
2: for yeah for any of the uh side effects that may result and we know that the, that is happening. And has happened to a number, you know, hundreds of people across the country, if not more, obviously. But um, why is the liability being waived? And where is an actual informed consent uh, and, and knowledge of the implications uh, for any adverse effects?
1: And yeah, and where's the iteration coming from these guys, right? I mean, why? I mean, are they waiting until the VARs database is, is filled to the gills before they go, all right, let's study this and re- reiterate? Or let's figure out, well, let's make it very, very open with some of these side effects, at least short term are so we can actually treat them um, before things get bad. I mean, how many people are just being silent because they don't want to be thought of as an anti-vaxxer, even if they've taken the vaccine and they're dealing with some weird adverse effect? And we don't know that we don't have that data Um, and we live in a world that is governed by data, Um, the algorithm that will kick us off of uh, YouTube and probably uh, Facebook requires data to, for the algorithm to run. And, but in order for that to happen, it needs the data. We don't have the data. Now that we have the largest human trial, the largest phase three trial in human history going on, um, I, I to me as the as the engineer, it's just like, let's figure out what's wrong and let's fix what's wrong. And or if it's unredeemable. Right. It's like something that is like, all right, we should probably pull it. Let's pull it.
2: Well, the I, reason why we can't have those discussions, I think, by and large, is due to the fact that this issue has been politicized to the gills. Um, and, and now people are like, you know, they don't want to not wear a mask because they f- feel that they'll be identified as a Republican. And mm-hmm. goodness forbid <laughs> you <are> identify <laughs> as a Republican. I, I struggled with that <laughs> a
0: lot. At least I got a point. <laughs> <laughs> well, that,
2: that's why I, I'm here today. Because, uh, well, one of the other reasons is that uh, you know we launched this new group, uh, the Republican National Hispanic Assembly, mm-hmm. uh, and so uh, that's something that I guess we're we're going to talk about eventually. But um, but back to your point, I think it's just been so politicized that people are afraid to to voice their opinions, and and they're just in this these two camps. Uh, and, and and we're not looking at the science, we're not looking at the facts, and we're not even able to have a discussion about it. And, I, and I'm of the opinion, if you want to get the vaccine, um, get the vaccine. If you don't want to get the vaccine, um, I respect that as well. And if the vaccine works the way it's supposed to, then you shouldn't have to worry about the status of another person. Uh, and there, I don't see that there is any evidence to date that would indicate that the non-vaccinated are the ones responsible for the Delta variant. Uh, I think ultimately uh, the Chinese Communist Party is re- responsible for all of this and this is who we should uh, be blaming more so than our fellow Americans.
0: Well, you got to get to Fauci first for that to make sense too. Yeah, But True. Now, we, we, we are over on time anyway, so let's let's just talk about what you do um, with, with the National Hispanic Assembly and, and and just lay it out there for everybody so that they can contact you and anything else.
2: Well, great. So I am the uh, there goes my bad hair again. the vice chair of the Republican National Hispanic Assembly of New Mexico. Uh, and this is a new group that we, we relaunched. It's been around for about 30 years, uh, but not active here in New Mexico until recently. So we relaunched this organization uh, about a month ago. Uh, and we've had some tremendous, uh, response from uh, folks across New Mexico and, and for the record, uh, you know, this isn't a matter of identity politics when New Mexico is a Hispanic majority state, it's a minority majority state. Uh, and, and, you know, like I'm sure both of you, uh, Sean and Thaddeus, sometimes I hear this all the time. People don't feel welcome in the Republican party. Uh, they don't feel welcome, uh, you know, and and the, like they can identify uh, with the Republican Party at times. And we know that sometimes that label being the party of old white rich man uh, uh, is is something that the party here, uh, you know, uh, needs new flag bearers and needs new representation. So we're excited to uh, launch this group and, and outreach the Hispanic community and beyond. You don't have to be Hispanic to join. Uh, the website is rnhanm.org. And um, just recently, the national organization partnered with CPAC for, uh, as the official Hispanic outreach organization uh, of CPAC. Uh, And so so we're really excited about that. Uh, Lastly, I would say uh, in regard to uh, this organization that um, you're seeing a lot of movement amongst uh, Hispanics and and actually African-Americans toward uh, President Trump in this last election in McAllen, Texas, we saw uh, a Republican Hispanic flip that district, which was like 85 percent Democrat. So these policies are starting to hit home. Uh, they're starting to hit people's pocketbooks with the rising gas prices, which you know correlate to uh, what took place on January 20th when Biden was inaugurated. So I think uh, folks are starting to wake up, and we're excited to uh, you know to you know launch this organization and start reaching uh, new faces uh, and and really uh, being an open tent. Uh, for uh you know conservative values traditional values here in New Mexico
1: yeah you guys are doing a great job we've had Audrey Audre trujillo on as well and i I don't know what capacity she is but I know she's talked about what you guys's work I mean it's very very important particularly here in the southwest that the Republican party um for lack of a better word brown a little bit and show a little bit of uh diversity out here because yeah there are a lot of uh, Natives or a lot of Hispanics, a lot of uh, old, old old, school Spaniard types that are conservative culturally um, and sometimes even economically. And then you know, I, I saw your interview on Fox News a couple years ago where you basically kind of laid out the fact that like, hey, um, you know, socialism doesn't work. Right. These policies don't work. If you don't believe us, come out to the Southwest and go on to a reservation. Um, I tell my friends this all the time when they, when they, when they want to talk that jazz. So again, thank you for coming on. Thank you for your passion. Thank you for bringing this stuff to our attention and continued success with the, uh, outreach, particularly for the Hispanics here. And maybe the GOP here in New Mexico can, uh, can learn a little something, something.
2: Well, thank you guys for having me on um it was it's been a wonderful time and it goes by so fast so thank that's you again fine. and I'm, I'm happy to come on again uh as your schedule permits but keep up the I know,
0: great we, we've, we've actually gotten booked a lot and we'll get Bach on here to tell us what we're doing next that's basically what we do all the time we're <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Baca, what are we doing but we really do appreciate you coming on and thank I you very much short notice and and people got to start paying attention to these these facts that are out there and and you're doing a great job in helping to get that out there so thank you
2: thank you guys take care keep up the great work
0: we'll try (laughs) aka what are we doing gentlemen everyone
1: ladies good evening (laughs) uh what are we doing we are preparing for sunday show
2: with rebecca dow who's running for governor uh we will be at 1 p.m Going live again and hopefully just keeping these things coming out. Right. I i, I gotta stress,
0: I'm the biggest fan of this show. So if it seems like somebody's lost back there, not pushing buttons, it's me. Usually just kind of really feeling what's going on with the guests and the hosts and trying to understand what's happening around us because I don't think I'm getting it anywhere else. But now I've plugged us. Does anybody have anything else to plug before I like hit the buttons I'm supposed to hit? Well, no, I think we're I think we're pretty good. See you we Sunday. everybody? Likes, shares, subscribes. See you soon. And the podcast will be up soon. Yeah, all
2: right.
0: Gonna...